Football is back. We are back. Dustin is not having any tooth pain, and ah. life is good. <laughs> yes, I can talk. I don't have an extra extension on my face anymore from the swollen stuff. I mean, uh, yeah, it feels good to be back. The mouth is back. Can you imagine? How can you have the mouth when I couldn't open my mouth? It was, it was pretty tough to do. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, it was just kind of crazy because that was probably the least amount of time that I have ever not talked, or the most amount of time that I have never talked to you, at least on the phone or going back and forth. Because, yeah, you said every time you opened your mouth, you were like in tears. That's oh, so crazy. Literally, but I found an amazing dentist that yanked that shit out and we're good to go. <laughs> yes, thank goodness. We're super excited to be back. And, of course, we will be coming back with another episode of Everything's Okay yes. in the upcoming week as well. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And everything is just rocking and rolling, guys. We are thankful for all of you out there. And if you want to start your own podcast... Be sure to reach out to us, info at Crazy Ant Media, so we can have a conversation and have a little consultation session. We will have a conversation about all of the different aspects like equipment, what hosting website, and all of these different things. But we will also send you home with like this 14-page packet of everything <laughs> that we discussed that is very in-detailed so that you'll remember everything that we talked about. And I just think it's a great opportunity for other people to tell their stories or to talk about something that piques their interest. So I'm really excited for everybody to take advantage of that opportunity. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And I, I we've had another person reach out today. So yeah, yeah, I mean, people are already taking advantage of it. So if you're interested, I highly recommend you jump on in and let us know. Yes, for sure. For sure. But now you guys know we love the entertainment industry. So let's dive into it. What's up, guys? Oh, my goodness. Episode 233. Absolutely bonkers, man. I'm super excited to be back in action with your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mal. What's up? Guys, it's going to be a great freaking show. It is jam-packed, which is kind of crazy since a lot of things aren't happening in Hollywood, but there's so much happening still in Hollywood. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. But before we tease the rest of this show, be sure to leave a rating on the podcast, comment below, and tell us what you actually think about this show. Because leaving a rating actually helps this podcast get seen by more Facts. people who enjoy the entertainment industry, and especially those who are trying to break into the entertainment industry. It's all about lending that helping hand, and that's what us here at Crazy Ant Media love to do. Yes. But man, oh man, we're going to be deep diving into everything that's going down in Hollywood. Oh my goodness. Oh, Danny boy, Danny Masterson, he got sentenced, and we're going to be talking all about mm. that. Our YouTube channel has been blowing up since the last... Last time we talked about Danny Masterson. So, of course, we're going to have to be talking about it. It's going to be absolutely wild. And, of course, we're going to give you updates on SAG-AFTRA and so much more going down in the entertainment industry. Oh, without doubt. And, uh, yeah, the, the biggest news. I mean, Danny, I can't wait to dive into that. I don't think a lot of people are going to be, like, they're going to... I don't know. I think you're going to be very surprised at the sentence because <laughs> I know he was, but uh, yeah, we're going to get into all of that. And I'm just so excited. Like you said, I'm just thrilled to be back and be able to talk about what we love so much. Our studio's making money. Are they losing money? When's this strike going to end? What is going on? Is there anything new to watch? Is that even possible with the strikes going on? We're going to tell you because the answer might surprise you. 
Yes, of course, of course. But before we get this thing started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We got the shirts, we got the hats, we got the sweatshirts. It's starting to get a little chilly outside. Yes. Fall is just around the corner, so be sure to check out our sweatshirts. And we have pajamas, some awesome Crazy Ant pajamas. Oh my freaking goodness. <laughs> Everybody has been enjoying rocking it so far, and we just can't thank y'all enough for that. So just keep on doing what you're doing and you will be amazing. Yes, Yes, for sure. Um, But of course, like I teased a little bit earlier, we're going to be talking all about Danny Masterson Mm. and that whole case. Well, he has been sentenced to 30 years to life in prison after being convicted of rape earlier this year. Now, Masterson, best known for his starring hit Fox sitcom That 70s Show and in Netflix's The Ranch will be eligible for parole in 25 and a half years but could spend the rest of his life in prison. The actor who maintains his innocence was convinced on two are convicted on two or three two of three forcible rape charges uh, this past May. Now Masterson was accused of raping three women at his Hollywood Hills home between 2001 and 2003 which was during the time that he was on that 70s show. Mm. Now, the jury convicted him of raping two women in 2003, but could not reach a verdict on the allegation of the November 2001 involving a former girlfriend. Though the jurors voted in favor of the conviction, Masterson, who was dressed in a suit and had slicked back hair and a full-grown beard, did not speak at all during his sentencing. Many of Masterson's Hollywood family members were in court on Thursday morning to support him at his sentencing. His wife, the actor, the model, Bajou Phillips, was crying at the courthouse. His siblings, the Walking Dead actor, Elena Masterson, Malcolm in the Middle star, Christopher Ma- uh, Masterson, and actor Jordan Masterson, we're all seated in the courtroom together. Mm, mm. Some tense moments in there. And get this, y'all. This is like where I just, I cannot even believe. Masterson's defense, led by attorneys Philip Cohen and Sean Holly, asked the judge for a 15-year sentence total. Like concurrent, back to back, just 15 years total. Now, Holly told the judge she did not intend to minimize the conduct of her and client, but asked the court to consider her client's exemplary life noting his community service work ethic and being an extraordinary father to his nine-year-old daughter who means the world to him now prosecutor reinhold Mueller told the judge whether masterson is a good father does not preclude one from becoming a violent serial rapist whose crimes were targeted and heinous and he conducted his actions while women were incapacitated after drugging them these are multiple victims over time on different occasions after he raped the first he had time to think about what he had done to that human being and despite that went ahead and committed rape again and committed it again Judge Charlene O'Melo said as she sentenced Masterson, quote, because she was clearly agreeing with the prosecution here, Mr. Masterson, you are not the victim here. Your actions 20 years ago took away another person's voice and choice. Your actions 20 years ago were criminal, and that's why you're here. I just... I can't believe his defense attorney. I know you're trying to do your job, whatever, but really... He's a good dad? 
Newsflash, these women he fucking raped, they had good dads too, and they were good women too. Exemplary, like, what the hell, man? Like, that that just, mm-mm. Mm-mm. That did not fly for me whatsoever. It's like, are you totally discounting the fact that these women's lives were ruined? And now because he's a good... By the way, if you're a good dad, you don't fucking rape women. Like, I'm just saying. Just saying. Like, Yeah, especially like, uh, yeah, if you have a daughter, like, what the hell is going on? I just can't, you know, fathom what was going through his head. I mean, all the success and all the fame, we talk about how there is a dark side of Hollywood and this is definitely a part of it. And I'm super happy that, you know, his Scientology part did not interfere as it tried to do. Um, but I'm glad that, um, but I'm glad that we got to this, uh, this sentencing because you know this is a win for the me too movement and for people who feel like their voices are not heard so i'm happy we're able to come to this conclusion uh i think so too because look so many times we we have to do these stories and we're talking about how somebody got a slap on the wrist right yeah and guys we're a part of this industry we love this industry 99.999 percent of this industry are good people but we all know that People are being raped every day in this industry, and it is being paid off, shoved aside, slid under the rug. So I'm hoping that this sentence finally starts to stop that shit and make people realize you can get convicted, you can go to prison for life, and and hopefully we can start to see the change that we so desperately need, you know, and, and get rid of these payoffs and these sweep it under the rug kind of stuff that mentality because this is crazy man and did you did you see that video from a interview that he did with conan o'brien like way back in the day when he was still on that 70s show resurfaced almost immediately after and he's talking about how his accent was gone and he's talking about oh yeah no certain words just go away like i have this guy who imitates me and he's like hi i'm danny manderson you want to touch my balls and conan's like well, I guess the real question is, why are you asking anybody to do that? And he replies, well, because they're there and they need to be touched. And then Conan, here's the the, the crazy part. Conan goes, yeah, I've heard about you. You'll be caught soon. And Danny Masterson replies, probably. Like, what the, what fuck? the fuck? So, I mean, it, I don't even think, like, he legitimately thought, he was going to get away with it, like that he was fine, it was entitled. Remember, the first trial was a hung jury and a mistrial, and he walked out all confident thinking, they're never going to retry me. This thing's over. I'm I'm good to go. Well, (laughs) not. So I agree with you, man. I hope that, you know, I'm glad we got this verdict. I hope it sends a strong message to anybody else out there uh, that thinks they can get away with that kind of stuff. And, um, whoo. Yeah. Oh boy, Just oh boy. 25 and a half years, y'all. Like 30 years to life. He's got to wait almost all of that before he's even eligible for parole. If you guys don't know, he's 47. So he will literally be almost 73 years old before he's even eligible for parole. That's basically yeah. a life sentence anyway. So basically. See you, Danny. <sighs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> bye bye, Danny boy. Bye bye. <laughs>
Um, well, now giving you the updates on the WGA and SAG after strikes. The WGA and SAG after uh, rallied on Thursday at Amazon Studios in Culver City to highlight their push for a bill that would provide unemployment insurance to striking workers in California. Mm. Striking writers and actors in New York and New Jersey are already eligible to receive unemployment benefits after 14 days on the picket line, but not in California, which is kind of odd. But Senate Bill 799, if it makes it through the legislature and signed by Governor Gavin Newsom, that would be changed. It passed through the Assembly Insurance Committee committee last week, and the legislator has until September 14th to send it to the governor's desk for signature. Now, the WGA West President Meredith Steatham and SAG-AFTRA Secretary-Treasurer Jolie Fisher, who spoke before the insurance committee last week in Sacramento to support of the bill, were among the speakers at the picket and rally. Other speakers include SAG after Executive Vice President Ben Whitehair, WGA West member Kalo Westgard Dobson, and IATSE International Vice President Thome Davis, and LA County uh, Federation of Labor President Yvonne Wheeler. So we're hoping to get this passed because these guys need to get paid while they're on the picket lines. Something is better than nothing. Uh, it's probably not going to be something that's sustainable for a living. But of course, like I just said, something is better than nothing. Oh, without doubt. And for all of you guys scratching your head going, wait a minute, why are some states that strikers are allowed to get unemployment? California, they're not because the majority of the people, like in this case, striking, are considered contract workers they're not full-time workers when they go from film to film or show to show they're under contract only for that specific thing so contract workers are not eligible for unemployment and that's why the state of california never passed it in full for strikers to be able to do it because of this um so yeah they need to fix that because the majority of the people in california are freaking work in the entertainment industry yeah. and i feel like this needs to be a thing um that's not all that's going on, though. Two challengers in the SAG-AFTRA election are urging the union to bring in an outside mediator to help resolve the actor's strike, which has gone on now for nearly two months. Maya Gilbert Dunbar, who is running against Fran Jesher for president of the union, argued that guild leadership has been too passive and needs to show more urgency in restarting the talks with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. In a statement, Gilbert Dunmar said, and trust me guys, she did not hold back, quote, chain your asses up to the door of the Sherman Oaks building to show how serious you are because people can't afford this. Strikes were never meant to last months and months. An effective strike should be short and sweet. Now, Gilbert Dunbar is running alongside Peter Antico, who is running for secretary treasurer. In an interview, Antico echoed Gilbo, uh, Gilbert Dunbar's criticism, saying, quote, I don't believe Fran is taking the correct course. You can't make any decisions with emotion. You have to have a neutral third party. You need to bring it in a calm voice that would help mediate it. 
Now, Drescher, who was first elected in 2021, is leading the union through its first strike and against the major studios in 43 years. The union is demanding protections against the use of training of artificial intelligence, as well as an 11% increase in the minimum rates and 2% on streaming revenue. The union membership voted 98% in favor of the strike authorization, as you guys might remember, suggesting that the membership is broadly aligned behind the goals of the strike. Now, Drescher has repeatedly denounced the heads of the major studios, even calling Disney CEO Bob Iger an ignoramus and saying that the companies are motivated by greed. Now, we should note that as we're recording this very episode, the election for the next SAG president is actually taking place right now, guys. It's going on right now. They are submitting their ballots, and later on today, they will be tallying the vote. So we'll let you know on all of our social media accounts who wins. Be sure to follow us everywhere. Um... It looks like Fran's going to hold on, but uh, you never know. I mean, with this whole strike thing, and who knows? So as soon as we get a winner, we will announce it on our social media, guys. So stick around. Um, Side note, also, SAG-AFTRA also currently voting on whether to authorize a strike against the video game companies. Mm. That's going to be tough, man, because, you know, a lot of these voice actors – they were still able to work because they were voicing video game stuff and weren't in violation of the strike. But now if they strike against the video game, then even they won't even... What a mess. Yeah, it's absolutely wild. And I have to say that I don't necessarily disagree with that statement of her opponent saying that she has been passive because she has been very passive and we've been very vocal about that. Um, So yeah, it's going to definitely be interesting. I'm excited to see the results. So... We will keep you updated, that's for sure. Yes, (laughs) indeed. Well, heading over to Disney, the battle between Charter Communications and Walt Disney spurred doing dirt due to cord cutting and is now getting very freaking tangled. Charter suggested last week that it might be ready to cut Disney Networks from its programming lineup after the two companies reached an impasse in talks to extend their carriage contract. Now, Disney is hinting to Charter subscribers that they might want to cut their connection with the large uh, cable distributor. Disney released a series of social media promotions Sunday evening telling Charter subscribers to consider subscribing to Hulu with its TV option and offering that would get them dozens of the cable networks that they watch already via Charter. But it also uh, some that they don't currently receive, um, namely outlets owed owned by Disney. Of course, we're talking about like ABC and all of the other different ones like ESPN. There's no contract, no cable box and no wait time to subscribe. Disney said in a blog post on Sunday, the company introduced the option, which offers 90 different channels in 2017. Disney plans to issue a message about Hulu through many of its social media channels. Disney's Hulu maneuver represents just the latest bit of wrangling between the two companies, which appear locked in a battle that could upend the media industry. Mm. I mean, to just add on more things to the media industry. Without doubt. Disney last week yanked its popular TV networks, which included ESPN, ABC, and the Disney Channel from Charter's Spectrum Cable Service, which reaches nearly 15 million homes, including many big markets like New York City and Los Angeles. 
At an issue, the company says is Disney's interest in seeking higher rates replaced against Charter's desire to gain more flexibility in the way it packages Disney properties. The Charter also wants to offer Disney streaming services like Disney Plus at no additional cost to its customers. A move that would erode some of the new business Disney has gained with these popular hubs. Charter has noted that the rise of the streaming services such as Disney Plus and Hulu has degraded cable. No shit. Forcing customers to pay for channels that have less premium content or for networks that may not regularly use. Then spurring them to pay in a second arrangement for a streaming alternative. Now, we've been talking about it since the beginning of the streaming wars. Oh, yeah. Of course, streaming has freaking changed the entire entertainment industry. That's why these motherfuckers are on strike right now. Duh. But it's just crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. And look, I we've talked about it. Like you said, we've predicted. I think it, it, within 10 years, cable will be completely gone. It's all going to be streaming. That's going to be the only way to watch anything that you want to watch. That's just my opinion. I think that's going to happen sometime within the next 10 years. I think what Disney did was a brilliant move in counter saying, hey, just sign up for Disney Plus and Hulu with live TV. And not only will you get all the channels that you're currently not getting, but you'll get even more. And it's cheaper than what you're paying for for cable right now. So why even worry about it? Just come sign up. That was a brilliant move. And then they took it one step further and said they were going to get ready to offer. So your first three months would only be $2.99 a month. I bet I bet Charter slash Spectrum lost a shit ton of people that signed up immediately to be able to watch the stuff, right? I think that was – some people think that Disney might have intentionally gotten into this little war to try to draw people to Disney+. Plus. I mean it, it's – I don't know if it was intentional, but it certainly was a brilliant move in response to – so I don't know. I'm pissed though. I'm a huge U.S. Open fan. Anybody who knows, I'm a huge tennis fan and Coco Goff – kicking ass in the semifinals she's in her first u.s open final and i still wanted to kind of watch her match last night because she was and i couldn't i fucking couldn't i was so fucking pissed if i can't watch the final i will personally when i am out in la storm disney i'm just telling you right now get that shit under control all right hey man we have espn plus you can watch it we have espn that's plus. true that's <laughs> true it's true but i'm trying to make a point goddamn it. i'm trying uh, to make a point. <laughs> it's fine it's fine sure We're, we are those people that signed up for all that other stuff it's fine it's fine yeah. all right i know you're super excited about this one and i am too man this looks really good and can i just say tom hardy man he is like a chameleon like everything he's he in he's so different i didn't even recognize him at first in this freaking trailer austin butler tom hardy and jody comer navigate the rough and tumble world of a 1960s motorcycle club in the first trailer for 20th century studios the bike riders now the first spot for the drama feature from filmmaker jeff nichols was released wednesday ahead of its december 1st theatrical release michael shannon mike faced boyd holbrook and norman reedus can you have a motorcycle movie without Norman Reedus? I don't think you can. Round out the cast for the first uh, for the film that premiered last month at Telluride Film Festival. Now, The Bike Riders focuses on Kathy, a member of the club called The Vandals, who recounts her whirlwind marriage to impulsive biker Benny. 
The trailer shows the evolution of the friendship between Benny and club leader Johnny as the Vandals become more engaged in criminal activity. Now, director Nichols wrote the script based on Danny Lyon's 1968 book of the same name that chronicled the Chicago Outlaws Motorcycle Club. So I know you're super freaking excited about this one. I mean, it looks amazing. It does look really good. I'm happy Austin Butler just jumped right back in after Elvis because he needed that, you know, that differentiality so he doesn't get stuck and typecast into that biopic role where he just is basically being Elvis playing a character. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was that was very nice to see. But the only thing, the only freaking thing, you couldn't come up with a better name than the bike riders. <laughs> like, come on. I mean, well, Easy Rider was the- taken. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's fair. But like no, Chicago Outlaws, like nothing yeah. like I why don't not know. just call it the just, Vandals? Like after the yeah. I, I mean, after the bike, I, I don't understand. Just call it the Vandals. I, yeah, I, yeah. Bike I riders. Just felt like that. I hope that's just a working title for now, like 1917 <laughs> was when they started promoting that uh, one. Um, and then they changed it to 1917. But man, uh, just I'm really excited about the film. Don't get me wrong, but. God, come up with a better name. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Disney Plus subscribers and customers can start streaming Pixar's Elemental Animated Adventure next week. Now, Elemental will hit Disney Plus worldwide on September 13th, coming 89 days after the movie's theatrical opening. Alongside the streaming premiere of Elemental, Disney Plus will also debut that day making of the documentary of good chemistry the story of elemental as well as pixar's animation studio short carl's date featuring the fan favorite talking dog doug from 2009's up at the box office elemental stumbled a little bit out of the gate with the worst opening weekend in pixar's history before rebounding over the subsequent um theatrical run in 11 weeks, the film grossed $153.6 million domestically with a global haul of $480 million. Now, I have a lot of promise and a lot of hope for this thing. So I hope I watch, when I watch it on Disney+, Plus, I will be happy with it because I feel like they, they, they are missing a little bit when it comes to the, uh, the, the, the children animation, the family animation. So hopefully they can get back to that a little bit. No, yeah. no, no. I mean, you know, Marvel, Star Wars, like all the big franchises, they're making you a lot of money. Cult fandom, pop culture, out the wazoo. But Disney comes family first. Children, 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 children. So you need to get back to your bread and butter. Yeah, I... I, I... I think this one will. I think that's why, like, initially it came out of the gate and everybody's worried and maybe we're hesitant to see it. But it must be a really good story. It must be really good because it did start to gr- gain traction, like you said, and it did end up making a ton of money at the box office from word of mouth to get people to go see it. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably pretty good. I'm hoping it's, it's good, like you. So yeah. I'm excited to watch it, though. Um, this one, I'm not. I don't know. I have mixed feelings. I was a fan of this franchise, and then I wasn't, and then I kind of jumped back in and was, but I'm not sure about this version of it. Ryan Murphy's American Horror Story, Delicate. 
has dropped its first official trailer ahead of the show's Part 1 premiere on September 20th at 10 p.m. on FX. Now, the season, which comes from showrunner Haley Pfeiffer, is described as a feminist update of Rosemary's Baby and is based in part on Danielle Valentine's thriller novel, Delicate Condition, which follows a woman who becomes convinced that a sinister figure is going to great lengths to make sure her pregnancy never happens. Now, American Horror Story Delicate stars Emma Roberts, Kim Kardashian, yes, Kim Kardashian, Cara Devlin, Matt Scherzi, but Logan, come on, Gilmore Girls, Billy Lord, Dennis O'Hare, Leslie Grossman, and Michael Jai Rodriguez. Um, It sounds interesting, but Kim Kardashian, like... mm, (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was a very interesting casting choice. I never really understood that. Um, But I I honestly have never been a fan of American Horror Story. But honestly, I never really gave it a shot either. So I just always felt like it was too far out there for me. I I don't know. The the horror... I don't know. The weird horror is a little taboo for me, I think. So, yeah, you know. Fair enough. I mean, I thought the first two seasons came out rocking and rolling, and then I was like, what are we doing? They, they just kind of dropped. But, you know, you got to give it a shot, yeah. I think. Uh, you just got to ride it through. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Well, Goosebumps, Disney Plus's live action series based on R.L. Stein's best selling Skazik uh, book series, is set to premiere on Disney Plus and Hulu on Friday. October 13th, Mm. the 10-part series from Disney-branded television and Sony TV will drop the first five episodes as part of Disney Plus's Stream and Hulu's Huluween celebrations, (laughs) with subsequent new episodes streaming weekly. Additionally, the series' first two episodes will air on Freeform on October 13th as part of its 31 Nights of Halloween programming. Now, I have high hopes for that one. I think um, I think that will definitely help, you know, bring back the the kids. Um, because I remember when I was growing up in elementary school specifically, I mean, the Goosebumps books were so freaking popular. So I feel like, you know, hopefully that'll reel them back in. But I don't know about this day and age. I mean, are kids even interested in Goosebumps? I don't, I don't know. know. That That's an excellent question. But you can't pick a better day to launch your Halloween programming than Friday the 13th. Well done. <laughs> that's a good yes. one. Now, have you finished see, uh, season two of How I Met Your Father? Yes. Yes. So I have to ask you a question. No spoilers for anybody, but do they reveal the father? Not that I remember. So, yes, I too have finished it, and I just wanted to make sure that I didn't miss something because I finished it, and I don't remember them revealing the father either. The reason I'm bringing this up is because if you were wanting to know who the father was, well, you're fucked. You're not going to find out because there will be no third season for How I Met Your Father. Hulu has canceled the Hillary Duff-led sequel series after just two seasons. News of the decision comes on the heels of Hulu also canceling the popular comedy The Great after three seasons. And Disney Plus not going forward with two new series and canceling Doogie Kamahohala, MD, after two seasons amid company-wide streaming content cuts overall at disney now i'm really kind of bummed about that because how are we ever supposed to know who the fucking father was i i mean we had some bets going on as to who we thought the father was and now like hillary just let us know 
Just let us know. Yeah, right. Come, make a little Please. video, come out, let us know so that we can clear that shit up. That's all I'm saying. Exactly, like, exactly. But this is even more reasons why we need to get these strikes over with because so many good shows are being canceled. Like, we were fans of not only How I Met Your Father, but also Doogie. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, this this really freaking sucks. I uh, I just hate it. I hate it so much. Me too, man. Uh, but anyway, we're jumping over to Fox now. Yes. And they are bringing some repeats of 911 Lone Star <laughs> to its fall schedule as it tries to remind viewers that scripted drama still has a place on broadcast television amid these writers and actor strikes. The move sees unscripted competition series, I Can See Your Voice, which has completed production of its third season and to mid season. Now, season four of 911 Lone Star will air starting on Tuesday, September 19th at 9 p.m. after season three of Name That Tune. The hope is that it can get some traction for the return of 911 Lone Star with its fifth season once the dual strikes are over. It comes as the show's parent show, 911, was not renewed back in May by Fox. Instead, it moved over to ABC whose sibling studio, 20th uh, TV, produces once the strikes are over. So we shall see, man. I just, you know, I feel like everything is on the chopping block. If you are, like, already put out your first season, it was a massive hit, it does not matter. Yeah. It's all on the chopping block. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I'm a huge fan of 911 Lone Star. I, I never really got fully into 911, but I love 911 Lone Star. Uh, so, yeah, I... I mean, just showing reruns, I don't think that's going to regain traction for any, right. anybody. I mean, I'm highly anticipating the, the upcoming season. So I, I just, I already watched all the other ones. I don't want to watch them again. <laughs> so I'll give Paramount some credit. They had a more uh, creative solution for, for filling in one of their gaps. We'll get to that in a little bit, but it wasn't reruns. Uh, let's jump over to Warner Brothers Discovery, guys. Warner Brothers Discovery expects... And let me just say, I'm not sure this is the wisest strategy to put out there if you're trying to, like, get the upper hand in the strike. Warner Brothers Discovery expects that the ongoing Hollywood strikes will have a $300 to $500 million negative impact on the company's 2023 earnings. Now, in an SEC filing on Tuesday of this week, the David Zasloff-led media giant stated it was expecting lower adjusted earnings for the full year between $10.5 to $11 billion, based on the projection that the continuing WGA and SAG after work stoppages will mean a hit of $300 to $500 million for the company. Now, the WGA strike, as we told you, began on May 2nd after it failed to ink a new deal with the studios. Uh, SAG-AFTRA joined them on the picket lines on July 14th. Now, aren't you just trying to give the power to the to the strikers? Oh my right. gosh, you're on strike and you're costing us half a billion dollars. Okay, well then we're going to stay on strike even longer if we're costing you that much money until you pay us. You're basically putting it out there that they are damaging you by staying on strike. What are you trying to do there? I wouldn't, I just wouldn't come out publicly and say, hey, your strike is costing us all this money. Don't you? Because on one hand, they're going, we don't, oh, we can't pay you. You don't deserve to get paid and everything. And oh, by the way, you're costing us all this money. So now we'll never be able to pay you. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I think, I don't know. 
You're giving all yeah, the power that, to the strikers, which good because we're in support of the strikers. But I'm just saying it. He just another move by Zaslav that is questionable. Like yeah. I, I don't know. Well, let's be honest about it. It's all questionable. Speaking of questionable, <laughs> this next move, oh my freaking goodness. Last show, we did talk about Greg Berlanti and what is next for the man. Well, nothing at Warner Brothers Television because <laughs> they have suspended overall deals with more A-list marquee producers that include Greg Berlanti, Bill Lawrence, John Wells, Chuck Lore, and Mindy Kaling as well as J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot Shingle. What the fuck, man? Yeah, yeah. Some of those names include Wells and Lore, who have had their deal suspended earlier. Um, the news comes months after Warner Brothers Television, along with Amazon, HBO, Warner Brothers TV, uh, NBC Universal, Disney, CBS Studios, and other major studios had previously suspended some of their first look deals and overall deals amid the ongoing writer strikes. Um, those suspensions took place back in May as soon as the WGA strike begun, and it didn't include producers who still had shows in production mm. at the time this strike uh at the time this was prior to sag after strike had started which meant actors were still on some sets uh which production continued on shows that had already been written such a deal suspension is different from overall terminations ah. which so far have not been widely seen in this industry even though the writer strike has already passed the 90-day mark when historically dealmakers had the option to kill agreements in the face of an act of God. <laughs> um, the common, the show, a common term, the show business's uh, interpretation for how the phrase uh, "force mature" applies to these type of labor shutdowns. Overall deals typically pay overhead for a writer's company and fund the development of project. First look deals also provide financial padding and in return guarantee that the studio or company has favored nation status when it comes to determining potential distribution of a series or film. Just what the actual fuck? There's some legendary names that I just mentioned in that yeah. story. I just, you know, you're not holding on to anybody. So yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, no. And I mean, I'm glad you clarified the difference between suspension and, and like totally terminating it. I mean, I guess with just suspending them, Warner Brothers can decide to reactivate those agreements or whatever at some point. But I think if this thing continues to linger, it is going to be a terminated contract and they're never going to get the deal. I mean, it's getting bad, man. It's just, it's crazy. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. I, I Maybe, like you said, well, let's go back to what we talked about at the top of the story with the WGA. Chain yourselves to the fucking doors. Show you're serious and get something done, damn it. This thing is lingering. I don't think anybody realistically thought when they were saying it could last to the end of the year. I don't think anybody believed that was true. Now, it is certainly looking like it might be true. Yeah. Which is terrifying to me. Hey, we just talked about how the uh, Friday the 13th, Disney was trying to get in on uh, on Halloween early. with uh, releasing stuff on Friday, October 13th. Well, Warner Brothers is getting in on it 
even earlier. The countdown to Halloween for them has officially begun with The Nun 2, the ninth and latest chapter in Warner Brothers' The Conjuring Universe, hitting theaters this weekend, today. It's going to be amazing. The horror movie scared up $3.1 million in previews last night at the box office. The movie is expected to open around $30 million to $33 million over the weekend, a drop from the record-setting original movie, but enough to scare away Denzel Washington and Sony's The Equalizer 3. Now, the first Nun movie released, I can't even believe it was this long ago, all the way back in 2018, scored the highest opening of a movie in the Conjuring universe with $53.8 million. And it's the series' highest grossing worldwide with $365.5 million at the box office. Now, the Nun 2 marks the first Conjuring movie released after COVID-19. The previous entry, 2021's The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, uh, was simultaneously launched on HBO Max and in theaters. Now, in terms of the entire series, The Nun 2 is aiming to land somewhere in the middle of the pack, likely beating the opening weekends of Annabelle Come Home, with, which had $20.3 million, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It with $24 million, and The Curse of La La Rona with $26.5 million. And it's likely to come in right behind Annabelle Creation with $35 million. Now, if you guys are worried, star Tyson Farmiga will be back, starring as, uh, of course, she's. if you didn't know, she's the sister of the Conjuring star, Vera Farmiga, but she is returning as Sister Irene in The Nun 2, four years after vanquishing the demon nun and the evil possessive entity Valak. Things get hellishly twisted once again, this time at a boarding school in France. There you go. I liked oh. the first Nun movie. It wasn't like terrifyingly, oh my god, jump scares awesome. But it was a good story, and I like that the Farmiga sisters are kind of like... Because the Nun takes place well before The Conjuring, right? So I, I love how they're doing the younger sister playing. I'm a fan. I am too. I thought it was a really good concept and a really good premise, especially bringing in... like I wonder if the sister had to audition for The Nun after you know obviously her sister's success in the conjuring so it's very interesting and i love that they keep it all in the family that's For really sure. cool um well more than a decade after its 2007's debut will smith's post-apocalyptic horror i am legend is receiving a sequel oh shit after signing a multi-year deal with Warner Brothers, I Am Legend writer Avika Goldsman confirmed that I Am Legend 2 is in the works. The original film grossed $585 million worldwide, serving as an adaptation of Richard Matheson, um, Matheson's uh, 1954 novel of the same name. Now, it stars Smith in the lead role as... The Robert Neville, a survivor of a man-made plague who works to find a cure. Details surrounding the film are kept under wraps, but a little bit about I Am Legend 2 has slipped out there, and Smith will reprise his role as Robert Neville um, alongside the one and only Michael B. Jordan. Yes. Though details surrounding his character have been kept under wraps. Additionally, both Smith and Jordan will serve as producers of I Am Legend 2. Now, Goldman revealed that the sequel will follow the ending of Matheson's novel and the original film's alternative ending, in which ah. Smith's character does survive, which 
I was trying to go back in my brain and remember, I was like, I thought he freaking died. Yeah, no, I was about to ask you the same thing. It's like, how is he coming back? He died. But that makes sense because in the book, he did not. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't even know they released an alternate ending. I I had no idea they had one that showed him survive. But yeah, I mean, I just remember him killing his dog and then all the fucking like (laughs) um, all the um, zombies were coming in after him. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I think this is one of Will Smith's biggest movies. So I'm excited to see it come back oh yeah and the dynamic between will smith and and michael b jordan is going to be really interesting to watch i think that's going to be something special right there uh well i can't believe this one this one i feel like has been on for the majority of my life and it basically has for half my life anyway real sports with bryant gumbel coming to an end at hbo the sports talk series has been part of the premium cablers lineup for 29 years Gumbel first launched the series in 1995, and it has aired over 300 episodes to date. Now, he said in a statement, quote, Since day one at Real Sports, we've consistently tried to look beyond the scoreboard and focus instead on the many societal issues inherent in the world of sports. In the process, we've had the opportunity to tell complex stories about race, gender, class, opportunity, and so much more. Being able to do so at HBO for almost three decades has has been very gratifying. I'm proud of the imprint we've made, so I'm ready to turn the page. Although goodbyes are never easy, I've decided that now's the time to move on. Real Sports has won 37 sports Emmys throughout its run, as well as three Peabody Awards. Each episode consists of multiple stories set within the world of sports. The show has featured a number of prominent correspondents as well, including Soledad O'Brien, Ariel Helwani, James Brown, Jim Lampley, and many, many more. Yeah, it's a great show. It's, think 60 Minutes, but sports. It's kind of like that. And it, and it was really, really good. And I mean, that's a really nice statement, but is it because he's ready to move on or is it because they're ready to get rid of it? Well, I mean, I guess I guess we'll never really know. right? (laughs) Yeah, that's the question. Who knows? But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's older than me. So yeah, that's interesting. (laughs) Just saying, just throwing that out there. It'd been on since before I was born. (laughs) Yeah, literally, literally. Um, Well, jumping over to Paramount, Paramount Plus saw its first price increase this year with the launch of Paramount Plus with Showtime. And Paramount CEO Bob Backish says it won't be the streamer's last. Mm. Um, The goal is to hike up the cost of Paramount Plus with Showtime once again at some point in the next two years. In February, Paramount revealed that the monthly price of the premium Paramount Plus tier with Showtime will raise to $11.99 per month from the $9.99 at present. The essential tier without Showtime uh, with advertising will climb to $4.99 or from $4.99 to $5.99 per month. Those price hikes came after the rollout of Paramount Plus with Showtime launch in June. Mm. So far, Bob Backish says Paramount has not seen a negative impact on the subscriber count due to the raise of cost. On August 7th, Paramount said Paramount Plus added 700,000 paid subscribers in its Paramount or yeah, to its Paramount Plus subscriber base to reach 61 million in its quarter 2. Resulting uh, results reflect the effect of price increase and the switch to Paramount Plus with Showtime will come when Paramount reports for its third quarter earnings later this fall. 
I mean, all the freaking streamers do this, and I feel like, you know, I'm I'm not surprised by it, especially with adding Showtime, so it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I, and I mean, I was one of those people that had already had the package, because I signed up for a package deal because I still, I signed up when it was still CBS All Access, and then switched to Paramount Plus, and then became, you know, so I was in on all that anyway, so, but... I can and that's probably why not a negative impact, right? Because most people only had Paramount Plus and didn't have Showtime, so they they were like, "Well, that's worth a couple extra bucks, right?" But now we'll see. Now we'll see if it will have a negative impact because you already have both, and now you're being asked to pay more for it again. So um, we'll see. I will because I love it. I I think it's a great service. I love everything that's on Paramount Plus, and Showtime obviously has got a bunch of cool stuff too. So um, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, it's worth eleven bucks to me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we also got, speaking of great stuff on Paramount Plus, we got an exclusive first look at the Paramount Plus's finest kind from Oscar winner Brian Hegelin, starring Jenna Ortega, Tommy Lee Jones, Ben Foster, and Toby Wallace, ahead of its premiere today, later on today, at the Toronto Film Festival. Now, the film is set for a November premiere exclusively on Paramount Plus. Written and directed by Hegelin, Finest Kind tells the story of two brothers raised in different worlds who are reunited as adults over a fateful summer. Set against the backdrop of a commercial fishing, the story takes on primal stakes when desperate circumstances force the brothers to strike a deal with a violent Boston crime gang. Along the way, a young woman finds herself caught perilously in the middle Sacrifices must be made and bonds between brothers, friends, lovers, and a father and his son are put to the ultimate test. That sounds deep, but I'm all in, man. I, I'm a huge fan of Jenna. I think she's amazing. And I mean, come on, Tommy Lee Jones, anything with Tommy Lee Jones, you know it's going to be good. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Jenna's just been everywhere nonstop. So, I mean, congratulations to her. She is like the new Bobby Brown, Millie oh, Bobby Brown. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean... It's so freaking awesome to see such a young talent just succeeding so well. Um, well, oh my goodness. We're super excited because we're super yes. big fans of this show. The supersized season of Survivor banana, is finally <laughs> here. After 23 years and 652 episodes, CBS's reality competition series is back with the one and only Jeff Probes. For the first time, though, Survivor will feature all 90-minute episodes, yes. so that'll be interesting to see how that comes across to the viewer. Instead of the usual hour episodes, diving deeper into the 18 players' backstories as they live in Stranded in Fiji. Season 45 will feature treacherous new elements and navigating an ever-shifting social game. As the contestants are div divided into three tribes of six for a faster and grittier season. Oh. Despite the changes and updates over the last 23 years, the ultimate end goal remains to uh, the win are the same outwit, outplay, and outlast. In the end, only one will win the $1 million prize and the title of Soul Survivor. Hosted by the man, the myth, the legend himself, Jeff Probes, Survivor is currently nominated for three Emmys, including Outstanding Reality Competition Programming, um, kicking off September 27th at 8 p.m. The CBS series will also stream on Paramount+. Plus. 
both live and on demand for Paramount Plus and with Showtime subscribers. The cast includes 17 new faces and one familiar, season 44's Bruce Perrault, oh. who was medically evacuated on the first day of the last season after suffering a concussion. So that's awesome they brought him back. Yeah, because, heck yeah. I mean, they had a they had a couple of injuries last season that I felt really bad for. I mean, that one guy dislocated his shoulder. This right. guy had a concussion. Like, it was wild, man. Yeah, no. And, you know, at least my man with the dislocated shoulder, he got to still try and give it a little bit of an effort and see if yeah. he could do it. Yeah, but when you're knocked out with a concussion and have to leave, you didn't even get to get any gameplay. So I'm mm-hmm. so glad that they are bringing him back. I felt like that's the fairest thing to do is give this man a legit chance to try to win it, right? Like, yeah, that's awesome. All right, let's jump over. This is what I was talking about with not reruns. This is a more creative attempt at trying to fill some slots when your most popular show won't be having new episodes. CBS released a first look at the first ever international edition of their hit NCIS franchise, NCIS Sydney. The eight-episode season of NCIS Sydney, originally commissioned by and for Paramount Plus Australia will air Mondays beginning Monday, November 13th on CBS and stream on Paramount Plus here with plans eventually to air globally on Paramount Plus in its territories. Now, NCIS Sydney stars Olivia Swan as NCIS Special Agent Michelle McKay and Todd Lassence as her uh, second ICAFP counterpart, Sergeant Jim J.D. Dempsey. The series also stars Sean Sager, Tawuli Narkel, Moe Hazel, <laughs> and William McInnes. I like his name. William McInnes. Good one. Here's the logline, just in case you were wondering. Filmed against the spectacular backdrop of one of the world's most breathtaking harbor cities, NCIS Sydney is the first ever international series from the global NCIS franchise outside of the U.S. and sees rising international tensions in the Indo-Pacific. The brilliant and eclectic team of U.S. NCIS agents and the Australian Federal Police are grafted into a multinational task force to keep naval crimes in check in the most contested patch of ocean on the planet so yeah so how do you how do you fill ncis's missing plug take a show ncis sydney and just air it in america yeah Yeah. it's fine i mean you know it's just it's still ncis they just have accents it's fine it's okay so i mean you know (laughs) that's hilarious at least it's creative at least it's not reruns right at least it's first run episodes so i mean exactly you gotta do what you gotta do man exactly we're freaking sure (laughs) um well damian wayans jr will host cbs's adaptation of the game show raid the cage with uh janie my jenkins co-hosting with him the series first revealed by Deadline launches on Friday, October 13th at 9 p.m. It is the latest CBS show for the Wayans Jr., who is also executive producing the series after his comedy Papa's House, which he stars in alongside his father, Damian Wayans Sr., was picked up to series. Um, Maya Jenkins previously hosted The Real and has hosted the 71 um first or 71st Miss Universe competition hmm. and worked on the shows such as ABC's Holy Moly and America's Test Kitchen The Next Generation. Now Raid the Cage is uh, a 
is which is based on a Israeli format features two teams of two facing off to grab and go with prizes from the cage before their time runs out and the doors close. Uh, correctly answering questions adds seconds to the clock, giving teammates more time to grab prizes from the cage. After three rounds, the team who banks the highest total dollar value in prizes wins the game, keeps what they have grabbed so far, and plays the final round for even bigger prizes, including a brand new car. <laughs> so, I mean, that sounds interesting. And, I mean, of course, reality television. Got to do what you got to do. Exactly. And so I'm guessing by that description, you have to get out of the cage in order to keep all this stuff. Like, so if yeah. you don't get out and the door closes and locks, you don't get to keep any of that shit you got. That would suck. Like, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's It'll yeah. be interesting. I am super pumped. I know you are too about this one because this one was in question. After the snowplow accident, I don't think anybody thought Jeremy Renner was coming back for anything, right? It was all kind of just like, is he going to quit acting? Well, apparently not, guys. Why? Because Mayor of Kingstown has been renewed for its third season at Paramount+. Plus. The renewal of the series from Taylor Sheridan and Hugh Dillon has been rumored for months. Now, Renner will be returning to Mayor of Kingstown following his extensive recovery process after he was critically injured as i said in the january 1st snowplow accident in which he broke more than 30 bones season two of the series debuted two weeks later on january 15th and was wrapping up with its march 19th run uh mayor of kingstown is believed to be one of paramount plus's top performing original dramas only trailing 1923 and tulsa king while in season so uh i'm just super pumped to hear that i'm glad he feels like he's rehabilitated enough and getting back into to a point where he can because this is not an easy series to do right i mean his man is in a lot of stuff a lot of the time and like i feel like it's got to be pretty strenuous so the fact that the network and him feel like he's capable of doing it and coming back i'm pumped for that man oh yeah for sure and so much respect for him man i mean you know at first everybody was like you know what's he gonna do he was on the brink of death basically but i just feel like he is such a unique individual like if I personally, if that happened to me, I'd be fucking done. Yeah. He's yeah. Plenty of money. Like, I'd be like, okay, it's time to just chill out, do whatever. But I mean, much respect to him and his love for the craft. So, I mean, it's a beautiful thing to see. Oh, without doubt. Um, now, Paramount Plus has set a premiere date for the epic Western series Lawman Bass Revis. The series, which stars David Aiello as Revis and boosts Taylor Sheridan's among the executive producers will debut with its first two episodes on november 5th in all paramount plus markets the show has revealed its first trailer which can be seen um now the official description of the series states that it follows the journey of revis and his rise from enslavement to law enforcement as the first black u.s marshal in uh west of the mississippi Despite arresting over 3,000 outlaws during the course of his career, the weight of the badge is getting heavy, and he wrestled with its moral and spiritual cost to his beloved family. The cast of the series also includes Lauren E. Banks, Demi Singleton, Forrest Goodluck, Barry Pepper, Donald Sutherland, Dennis Quaid, Shay Wingham, Garrett Huglid, uh, Jaquana Kalengo, uh Lonnie Chavis, Grantham Coleman, and so many freaking more. 
It was announced in April that the show had shifted to an anthology format, meaning that many that any potential future seasons will follow other iconic lawmen besides Bass Reeves. So that's very exciting. And I mean, Taylor Sheridan, I just feel like keeps putting out good content. He hasn't missed yet. So we'll see how this one is as well. Yeah. Well, if it's half as good as the trailer, the trailer looked freaking amazing. And like when it said, you know, that even though he had caught all those people, the weight of the badge was, there's this great line where this kid asks him, you know, are you a lawman or an outlaw? And his answer is, both i reckon mm. so like he's like questioning whether what he's doing is actually right you know what i mean and so yeah it looks really really good uh yeah, i haven't seen the trailer yet so i'm super excited about it oh yeah definitely check that one out jumping over to nbc universal and this one yeah, the way disney has been telling everybody to sign up for hulu you knew this one was coming if you guys remember we told you way back on the show like almost a year ago i think that it, come 2024 Disney was going to buy the rest of Hulu, the other 25%, from Comcast, right? Well, guess what, guys? They've pushed up that date. Not 2024 mm. anymore. Comcast and Disney last week signed a modification to their agreement to bring forward the timing of their sale talks for Comcast stake in Hulu to the end of the month, September 30th. Currently, Comcast owns one-third of Hulu and had set a pact with Disney, which owns the other two-thirds, to begin talks to sell its stake to the Mouse House in January of 2024. Now, Comcast CEO Brian Roberts said this week, all the synergies around Hulu could be worth $30 billion before you even ascribe a value to Hulu itself. Now, according to Roberts, the previous minimum that they agreed on of $27.5 billion valuation for Hulu was just a hypothetical. And the company is way more valuable today than it was when that number was set five years ago. He concluded by saying that proceeds from Comcast's sale of its Hulu stake would be returned to the shareholders. So that's good. But I love how he's like, no, 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 no. That was five years ago. That was it. It's yeah. worth way more now. And he's right. I mean, Disney has built Hulu up into like this massive thing. So he's not wrong. I think it is going to cost Disney a bit more than $30 billion to get the rest of it. So... You got to do what you got to do. You really do, man. You really do. And that's not the only big news coming out of NBC Universal. Entertainment executive Liz Jenkins has been named to the newly created role of chief, chief business officer for NBC Universal hmm. Studio Group. The former COO of Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine joins the company with an expansive title to oversee strategy and business operations reporting to the studio chairman and chief NBCU content officer Donna Langley. Now Jenkins will serve as a connective tissue within the company's content business, which Langley assumed control of in July of the reorganization led by Comcast president Mike Kennevall. Now Jenkins takes her post later in September she also joined Hello Sunshine back in 2018 as CFO. Um, there, she was responsible for establishing and overseeing finance, business affairs, operations, uh, physical production, and music, as mm. well as facilitating the growth of the company's content and direct-to-consumer businesses. So, a lot of shit. Yeah. Um, she led the acquisition of SKR Productions and the home organization slash lifestyle brand, the home edit, as well as 2021 sale of 
Hello Sunshine to Candle Media. So she is a big player in this game we call the entertainment industry. So that's a good pickup. Oh, hell yeah, it's a good pickup. And I think that they're going to do really well with her in that position. And uh, just to, to put a cap on that with Candle Media, I recently read, because remember how um, Bob Iger, we told you a couple weeks ago on the show that he had brought back Kevin uh, Mayer and Skaggs, right? Well, they're the ones who own. They, they created Candle Media, right? There's rumors that he might buy Candle Media and bring it into Disney to get them oh. back. Interesting, right? Can you even imagine? Because Hello Sunshine is like kicking ass. So if he Makes acquires sense. Candle Media and like, oh my gosh, right? Woo! We'll have to keep an eye on that one, guys. Just throwing that out there because that's an interesting little story if that develops. Um, can I just go on record and say that I'm beyond thrilled with this next story? Not at all surprised because I'm also happy to say I'm OG, okay? I'm original gangster suits. I was watching that shit before anybody had even heard of it. Like, what? What are you? What channel is it on? USA, what? Yeah, I'm from day one suits, my man. According to Nielsen's latest streaming numbers, suits which was produced by and is owned by Universal, has been watched, are you ready for this? 26.5 billion minutes total across Netflix and Peacock during the last eight weeks, with the August 7th through 13th viewing window marking its seventh week in a row, crossing the three billion minute mark. Suits is the first title ever to stay above three billion minutes for that long. So... I'm not surprised. This show, and I love that it's on two now. Of course, all of the seasons are on Peacock. Not all of the seasons are on Netflix. But people are finding it on both, and it is freaking slaying. I mean, like, I'm rewatching Pearson, the spinoff from it, where, where Jessica ended up. And it's really good. It only got one season, which I was pissed about. <clears throat> so I'm hoping this resurgence gets it another chance, too, because, man... And I hope all the rumors, and I don't know about you, but I hope that all the rumors that because of this, when all the strike shit is over, they're looking at bringing it back, a revival of it for new seasons. How freaking awesome would that be? Yeah, that would be pretty badass. I can't wait. <laughs> but I know it's being watched by so many different people, people of all walks of life that I never would have even imagined would be watching the show. But it, it's so freaking awesome to see. Um, well, Quantum Leap will be coming back for season two at NBC with two new series regulars, oh. Peter Godot and Ezra Eliza Taylor, uh, one of the few scripted projects returning to broadcast television this fall amid the Hollywood strikes. Quantum Leap is the sequel of to the 1989 to 1993 NBC drama of the same name and set 30 years later after Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and then vanished. In the new series, Raymond Lee stars as Ben Song, who makes an unauthorized leap into the past, leaving his team behind to solve a mystery of why he did it. Taylor will play uh, Hannah Carson, who is described Ooh. as a complex young woman who may be more than she appears oh. and will be introduced in episode three. Godot um, um, will play Tom Westfall, a U.S. Army officer, former special forces, who now high up in Army intelligence. Uh, he is described as thoughtful, centered and spiritually 
kind of a warrior who both men and women admire and whose humidity keeps him from ever being arrogant and will take on a crucial role overseeing the Quantum Leap Project. And season two premiere, which airs October 4th, it will feature guest stars Melissa Roxborough from oh. Manifest, uh, Francisco's Anrod from Plan B and Blindspot, Aaron Abrams from Hannibal and Blindspot, and PJ Byron uh, from The Boys and Shazam Fury of the Gods. So that's all very exciting. Yeah, yeah. I was a huge fan of the original show. I haven't watched a single episode of the reboot here, so I can't tell you whether I would be good with it or not. But um, it sounds interesting, though. So, you know. Who knows? Jumping on over to Sony, we told you that we think the nun is going to take out our boy with the Equalizer 3, but this past weekend he was at the top of the box office. Sony's The Equalizer 3 scored the second largest Labor Day opening weekend ever with $42.3 million. Now, while the holiday isn't traditionally a box office draw, Denzel Washington's assassin thriller surpassed the previous Labor Day debut runner-up. Rob Zombie's 2007 Halloween remake, which grossed $30 million through Monday. Now, Marvel's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings still holds the Labor Day crown with $94.6 million over the four-day opening weekend in 2021. Nevertheless, Equalizer 3's three-day domestic figure of $34.6 million is nearly the same as its predecessors. The 2015 original grossed $34 million in the traditional three-day frame, while the 2018 sequel scored $36 million. With a $70 million production budget co-financed by TSG and Eagle Pictures, Columbia Pictures' Equalizer 3 is targeting a similar performance by the end of its run. The third installment earned an A grade on CinemaScore and holds a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm a huge fan of the first two movies, so I'm excited to see this one. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm all in. I mean, I like the character. I like what they did with it. So um, I won't admit that I'm old enough to remember the TV show that it's all based on, some old cratchety white english guy <laughs> but i, I am <laughs> you know you know yeah it looks really good i've only seen the second one so yeah i'd uh i need to go back and watch the first one and then watch this third one yes. i mean den- anything with denzel though come on I for mean, sure it's so freaking good um well sony pictures has set up three steps or <laughs> has set up three step september release for dumb money the GameStop memes comedy drama and TIFF world premiere in order to expand early as possible before November 13th of release of Taylor Swift's The Euros World Tour. Now, Craig Galipsy's comedy drama starring Paul Dano, Shalene uh, Woodley, or Shanae Woodley, and Seth Rogen will release on September 15th exclusively in Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, Washington, D.C., Boston, and San Francisco, all the big markets. Mm -hmm. It was previously scheduled to open exclusively in Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, and D.C., and a week later on September 22nd, the film will go into a moderate release pattern prior to expanding wide on September 29th. The studio previously scheduled a platform release expanding to limited and then moderate dumb money charts at the new story of how everyday people turn the tables on wall street and got rich by turning gamestop into the world's hottest company everybody remembers that from a couple years ago in the middle of it all 
everyman Keith Gill, who's played by Dano, who invests his life savings into the stock and posts about it, turns turning a stock tip into a movement where everyone gets rich until the billionaires fight back. The cast includes Pete Davidson, America Ferreira, Vincent D'Onfrio, Nick Hofferman, um, Anthony Ramos, and Sebastian Stan. The TIFF world premiere is scheduled for September 8th. I'm super excited about this one because, once again, Paul Dano, another chameleon of the entertainment oh, industry. for sure. Com- completely opposite of what he did as uh, the Riddler in The Batman and uh, completely opposite what he did as the dad in The Fablemans. Like, this guy is just so freaking amazing. But, I mean... This thing really did take the world by storm for like a couple weeks, a couple years ago. Um, so I'm super excited to see that one finally come out. Yeah, me too. And it, I mean, Jesus, I, like how many Marvel people did you list? Vincent D'Onofrio, <laughs> Anthony Ramos, Sebastian Stan. Like, I mean, it's loaded with Marvel people too. So that's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah. Speaking of, this sounds very interesting. Director Eli Roth is bringing blood, terror, and turkey in the first teaser for Thanksgiving, a slasher starring Patrick Dempsey and TikTok star Addison Ray. The movie comes to theaters in time for the holiday season on November 17th. Now, here's the logline. After a Black Friday riot ends in tragedy, a mysterious Thanksgiving-inspired killer terrorizes Plymouth, Massachusetts, the birthplace of the infamous holiday. Now, in the trailer, a pilgrim-themed killer hunts down his victims in bloody fashion, including one particularly spine-chilling kill in a walk-in freezer. Now, Thanksgiving is the full vision of a fake trailer showcased in Roth and Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez's 2007 horror film Grindhouse. Now, in the original trailer, Roth stars while a mysterious slasher invades a small town in Massachusetts amid the holiday. Now, Milo Mannheim, Nell Vecchero, Jolene Thomas Brooks, Rick Hoffman, what? Louis Litt, Gina Gershon, Chris Sandin, Tim Dillon, and Tasamo Sonali round out the cast of the slasher. I love that they're doing this. They're taking the trade, the fake trailers that were shown in those movies and turning them into real movies that's awesome like that's so it really is but i will say if they kill patrick dempsey i will walk out of that fucking theater (laughs) i swear to god it will not be a good thing i will write a horrible review on letterbox don't fucking tempt me i swear will his hair (laughs) stay intact that's the thing Uh, uh, they they better not fuck with it i swear to god (laughs) um heading over to lionsgate this next one uh, i have mixed feelings about i really wish they would have just left this whole property alone just out of respect but anyway lionsgate has uh just tied up an eight figure deal for domestic rights to the crow reboot now bill skarsgård uh fka twigs and danny hudson lead rupert sanders reimagining of the 1994 cult classic that memorably starred brandon lee in his final role yeah uh in the original revenge thriller a man who is brutally murdered comes back to life and as an undead avenger of his and his fiance's deaths both movies are based off the graphic novel of the gothic character created written and illustrated by james o'hare the script for the reboot comes from Oscar nominee Zach Balin from King Richard, if you didn't know, and Will Schneider. Um, the movie is expected to release next year. 
maybe. But um, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I just felt like you should have just left it alone. I just, out of respect, because this is the film that he died on. And I just, you know, it, I just feel like it's a icky, sticky, awkward situation. Uh, I agree. And it's got such a cult status because he died on it and because it's still been lingering around. I feel like if you do this reimagining and you put a new one out there, you take away all of that lore and all of that cult status from the original. You just kind of lose it all. And and so I don't really want to see that happen. (laughs) I just, you know, I'm a fan of the original film and and it was, yeah, I just, I don't want to see that happen. Ah, jump it over to Amazon slash MGM. Jamie Foxx is suiting up for the latest trial, er, I mean trailer and trial, of Prime <laughs> Video's The Burial, the courtroom dramedy, which also stars Tommy Lee Jones. Well, he's making quite the resurgence, isn't he? Right? Journey Smollett and Alan Ruck is set to premiere on September 11th. That's a bad premiere date at the Toronto mm-hmm. International Film Festival. Now, The Burial is adapted from Jonathan Haar's 1999 New Yorker article of the same name and tells the story of a personal injury lawyer, Willie E. Gary, played by Fox, and his mission to help funeral homeowner Jeremiah Joseph O'Keefe, played by Jones, in a contract dispute against Lowen Funeral Company. With Gary's help, O'Keefe sets out to sue Raymond Lowen's company, and audiences dive into the depths of deceit and the funeral industry while getting a glimpse at Gary's ambitious, unconventional background. The Burial premieres in select theaters on October 6th before hitting Prime Video on October 13th. Um, The trailer looks really good. I mean, the dynamic between uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Jamie Foxx is good. Um, So I was at least interested in seeing it after I watched the trailer. So um, we'll see, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting concept. It is. I mean, I just, uh, that's a very story-driven film, I feel like. So it'll be interesting to see how many people are actually going to watch it because we know how that goes nowadays. So I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah, unless you're Oppenheimer. But I am excited to see it, too. It sounds really good. For sure. Um, Prime Video has announced that Christmas movie Candy Cane Lane, starring Eddie Murphy and Tracy Ellis Ross, will be released exclusively on the streaming platform on December 1st. Now, this one is directed by Reginald Hudlin. Now, Candy Cane Lane follows Murphy as Chris, a man who is determined to win his neighborhood's annual Christmas home decoration contest. (laughs) After unintentionally striking a deal with an elf, played by Jillian Bell, to improve his odds of winning, she casts a spell bringing to life the 12 days of Christmas. And chaos ensues for the whole entire town. Oh my goodness. Now Chris must even work must then work to save Christmas for his family and community. An endeavor that entails battling magical creatures. The uh, screenplay is written by Kelly Younger and inspired by his childhood experiences on Candy Cane Lane in El Sangdao. Uh, now, Ross stars as Chris's wife, Carol. The movie also stars Thaddeus J. Mixon, Ken Murano, Nick Offerman, who is also doing a lot of right? things. Right? Like- uh, Robin Thede, uh, Chris Reed, uh, Jinya Walton, Madison Thomas, DC Young Fly, um, uh, Angela Johnson Reyes, and Nancy Linehan. Now, Kenny King Lane marks Murphy's first holiday film ever. 
Right. Uh, he recently starred in comedy films Coming to America, a follow-up to his beloved comedy classic uh, Coming to or Coming to America, and the Netflix original You People, opposite of Jonah Hill, Lauren London, and Julia Lewis Louise Dreyfus. Um, so yeah, I'm just excited to see him back on screen. To be honest with you, uh, I feel like he'll do a good good christmas movie so, oh yeah we for go. sure for sure that's gonna be hilarious i mean he and i'm good I, yeah i'm like you i'm glad to see him making a resurgence and getting back out there and and yeah it's it's i think it's gonna be really good um have you watched you people yet i haven't i have not either i think now that uh, now that we've been talking about it, i think i might want to jump on that and give it a watch um okay are all of you guys like us like when you were watching the boys how many like jaw-dropping moments did you have right like I can't believe I just saw that. What the fuck did they just show on TV? What am I watching? Well, if you thought the boys had it, holy shit. Prime Video dropped the first official trailer for Gen V, the spinoff series of its popular dark superhero show, The Boys. Uh, Star Chance Perdoma has previously said that the show is going to be fucked up and he's not even <laughs> lying y'all fans can see just how fucked up the college focus series is really going to be from the trailer from crawling inside a human head to murderous puppets gen v seems to assure fans of the boys that there's no shortage of superhero debauchery gen v is set at goodokan university america's only college exclusively for superheroes Run, of course, by Voight International. Now, according to the show's official logline, the irreverent R-rated series is set to explore the lives of hormonal competitive soups as they put their physical, sexual, and moral boundaries to the test, competing for the best contracts in the best cities. It's part college show, part Hunger Games, with all the heart, satire, and raunch of the boys. Now, Gen V marks the third series set in the universe of the boys, Alongside the original series, which is currently in production on its fourth season, halted though, and an animated spin-off title, The Boys Presents Diabolical. Gen V will drop its first three episodes September 29th on Prime Video. And yeah, the trailer was like, what the fuck? It's going to be an interesting show. That's all I can say. It's going to be in your face crazy. That's, I yeah. mean... Uh <laughs> it is very interesting i mean to even see this thing like the boys and now this one happen is uh is a testament to the time we're in that's yeah. for sure because that shit would not fly like 10 years ago yeah no way, uh, no way. <laughs> so it, it's very interesting well heading over to the streaming giant and talking about the streaming giants crown crown jewel uh mm -hmm. we could say um netflix they have teased the storyline for the sixth and final season of their hit drama series, The Crown. The show, which it first launched back in 2016, follows the trials and tribulations of the British royal family, beginning with the death of King George and the succession of his daughter, Queen Elizabeth, to the throne. The final season is set to air later this year and is believed to cover the death of Princess Diana and Netflix has revealed will also feature a royal wedding. It won't be Prince William's or Prince Harry's royal wedding, though, and those will not be covered in the series. However, according to the snap tweeted by Netflix's Twitter account earlier today, Friday, viewers will get to see Prince Charles's wedding to Camilla Parker Bowles. 
um, which took place in uh, 2005 at St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle. According to Claudia Harrison, who plays Princess Anne in season five and season six of The Crown, the wedding was the final scene the cast shot. It was filmed in York Minster Cathedral in England with the entire family in attendance, including Amelia Stratton, who plays the Queen in the final two seasons of the show. Jonathan Price um, as her husband, Prince Philip's plus Ed McVeigh as Prince William and Luther Ford as Prince Harry. Um, so that's going to be very interesting. This show has been very consistent. I will say that over its whole tenure on Netflix. So it'll be interesting to see what Netflix pushes up after this one is pushed out. So we'll see. Yeah. And it's interesting that they chose to go with that marriage and show it because they, they just recently, at least in Harry's book, I don't know if you guys have finished reading or whatever, but he was pretty adamant. There's a whole little section in there about how him and William begged Charles not to marry Camilla. Like Mm. literally were pleading with him not to marry her. And damn, Chuck did it anyway. So, you know, <laughs> oh, KC the third, right? KC three. He's going to do what he's going to uh, do, man. That Just, guy. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. Very. Con- Although I will say Colleen Foy still uh, uh, my favorite, right? Like, like yeah. by far, she's like it's from the very get go, like my favorite. The first two seasons were the best. Uh, yeah, agreed. Let's see. Let's see. Emily Blunt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Emily Blunt. Have you watched this one trailer yet? It's fantastic. She mm. is at the center of a criminal conspiracy in the first official trailer for Netflix's Pain Hustlers, which is set to debut on the streaming service October 27th after premiering at the Toronto International Film Festival. Now, as a mother struggling to support her daughter, Liza Drake seeks out a, a new stream of income in hopes of turning her life around. All seems to be working out well for Liza when she lands a job at a pharmaceutical startup. However, she has no idea that the company is actually failing fully-fledged illegal business, and she swiftly finds herself stuck in the middle of a racketeering scheme. The first trailer gives audiences a glimpse at the drama, which has been speculated to be in the vein of the critically acclaimed movies like American Hustle and The Big Short. Now, having been introduced to Blunt's Liza, viewers also get a sneak peek at the seemingly lucrative life she's able to live for a short period of time before the reality and the legalities of her situation truly set in. Blunt stars in Pain Hustlers alongside the one and only Chris Evans, Andy Garcia, Catherine O'Hara, Jay Duplass, Brian Darcy, see james and chloe coleman so uh yeah the trailer looks really interesting i think that yeah, blunt, blunt and chris evans are going to be great together i mean he's killing it too man he's everywhere as well he is man it's rocking and rolling and colleen foy is our friend that yes yes, yes 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 claire, yes. claire foy. foy claire foy <laughs> <laughs> easily mistakable easily mistakable it, like yeah. it's fine you know how people are i didn't want people to come after us oh my goodness um, no both phenomenal <laughs> actresses both amazing yes, people i'm sure exactly check out the catalog check out the catalog <laughs> Um, Netflix has released the first trailer of the sequel of the 2000 stop-motion animated comedy Chicken Run. The upcoming feature titled Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget. Um, It is set to premiere in December, featuring an all-new voice cast. Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget follows Ginger as she sets up a peaceful sanctuary far from the human world, having recently escaped from the evil Tweety Farm. 
Finally, the with the hatching of Molly, who's going to be played by Bella Ramsey from The Last of Us, Ginger and Rocky, who's played by Zachary Levi, seem to have their happily ever after, but unknown to them. Outside their peaceful world, chicken kind faces a new terrible threat. Newton takes over the role of Ginger from the absolutely fabulous actor Julia Swahala, while Levi steps in for Mel Gibson, who voiced Rocky in the first movie. The voice actor who will return is uh, Miranda Richardson from Good Omens, who is back as the arch-villain Mrs. Tweedy. Now, she will be joined by comedian uh, Peter Holy Shit. Um, Peter uh, (laughs) Sephira Hashnashowitz. Yes, um, there you go. Sure. uh, Making his chicken run debut as hapless businessman Reginald Smith. The new trailer gives fans the first look at the challenges that Ginger and Rocky will face as they battle to take down Mrs. Tweedy's evil operation. The original Chicken Run was conceived by Wallace and Grumit, creator of Nick Park and Armand Animation's co-founder, Peter Lord. Armand Animation's first feature, Chicken Run, grossed over $225 million at the box office, <coughs> becoming the highest grossing stop motion um, animated film of all time. Now, Chicken Run 2, which will premiere on December 15th, resumes the original story over 20 years later. Hmm. And I'm not sure anybody will have any problem with the um, (coughs) new actors voicing these people just because I feel like, you know, it's been 20 years, 23 years. So I feel like, you know, it'll be fine. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And my only question is, did we need this? Did we That's need it? Did we need a chicken run sequel? I was mm. I mean, I wasn't aware that it was in such demand, but apparently here we go. Yeah. Right? Uh jumping over to Apple. I'm super excited about this one. <clears throat> Apple TV Plus has released the first teaser trailer for its highly anticipated Godzilla TV series Monarch Legacy of Monsters. The project stars the father-son duo of Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell, who play the same character at different ages, along oh. with Anna Sawai, Marie Yamato, Anders Holm, Kiersey Clemens, Ren Watabi, Joe Tippett, and Eliza Lewowski. The trailer also features John Goodman making a cameo appearance reprising his role from Kong Skull Island. Now, the official description reads... Following the thunderous battle between Godzilla and the Titans that leveled San Francisco and the shocking revelation that monsters are real, Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, tracks two siblings following in their father's footsteps to uncover their family's connection to the secretive organization known as Monarch. Clues lead them into the world of monsters and ultimately down the rabbit hole to Army Officer Lee Shaw, uh, played by the the Russells, taking place in the 1950s and half a century later where Monarch is threatened by what Shaw knows. Now, the dramatic saga spanning three generations reveals buried secrets and the ways that epic, earth-shattering events can reverberate through our, our lives. The 10-episode series premieres globally on Friday, November 17th, with two episodes, then followed by one episode every Friday through January 
12th. So, yeah, I'm super excited about this one. I, I think it's going to... I liked Kong Skull Island. I liked Godzilla vs. Uh, Kong. Like, those are the Monarch movies, guys, that's continuing in that universe. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of pumped about it. I really am. Yeah, it is really cool to see how uh, they've come back into pop culture, right? Yeah. I mean, over the past couple years, like, uh, I mean... Ever since Godzilla, I mean, that was probably around 10 years ago. And then most recently, Kong versus Godzilla. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we had that little gap there for a while where nobody was really developing anything on yeah. that. Um, so I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see what happens. And I there, that's really good casting because he looks exactly like his daddy. So oh, it's yeah. going to be freaking great. I'm super excited about that. For sure. Um, well, Cindy Crawford, Naomi Campbell, Linda Evan Galista and Christy Turlington get a candid about their high profile careers in the first trailer for Apple TV Plus's The Supermodels. Yes. The four part docuseries launches September 20th on the streaming platform and it focuses on the lives of the four models who helped define beauty and power after rising to prominence in the 1980s, all while forging a close bond. Uh, the project promises unprecedented access to the stars as they open up about their path and they discuss key moments of their modeling journeys. The supermodels also boost a long list of notable names and fashion industry professionals to weigh in on the four women. Now, Mark Jacobs, Donna Karen, Calvin Klein, Michael Kors, David Fincher, um, Dantella Versace, Isaac Murazi, um, Anna Sue Grace Coddington and Vivian Westwood are among uh, those offering commentary. The trailer includes a focus on the making of memorable music videos for George Michael's Freedom 90, um, which was directed by Fincher and featured all four of the models. Now, the supermodels hails from the Imagine uh, documentaries and One Story Up. Executive producers include Campbell, Crawford, uh, Evan Galista, uh, Turlington, Sarah uh, Bernstein, uh, Brian Grazier, Ron Howard, Barbara Kalupi, um, Golf Martz, Justin Wilkes, and Roger Ross Williams. Talk about a freaking team, man. That is yeah. absolutely crazy but i mean i know how big supermodels were back in the 80s so it only makes sense that we're finally getting a documentary series about it i cannot even begin to tell you how excited i am about this documentary series <laughs> i okay i did i did i had all of them women plastered on my walls their posters they were all hot as fuck in the 80s like i mean there was like yeah if you didn't have Cindy Crawford hanging on your wall in the 80s, what was wrong with you, right? And C Christy Turlington's actually my favorite. She, I, I thought Christy Turlington was just phenomenally beautiful and, and like, just amazing. Um, but, yeah, I'm so obviously, I mean, 80s me and supermodels, and I'm all in on this documentary. As soon as it's available, click, let's watch. It's going to be amazing. Uh, that's so freaking funny. That's so freaking funny. I love it though. I think it's going to be really good. Me I think too. all the streaming services are still doing pretty well right now in the midst of the strikes. I mean, Netflix, that uh, live action anime project, One Piece, is like doing really well. So that's awesome to see. I, w I watched the first episode and I it was okay, but I'm going to yeah. continue watching it to see if it gets better. Um, and I mean, 
Apple TV Plus with Hijack, Idris Elba's Hijack. Oh my gosh, so, so good. Phenomenal. Um, and I just feel like, you know, HBO or Max, um, they always put out good content. Stars with Heels right now and Outlander. I just, you know, they're they're doing better than expected. Disney Plus with Ahsoka. Um, so it sucks that these people are not able to promote their projects. That's really freaking big. Um, but I mean, social media is still loving everything that's coming out right now. So that's really good to see. Yeah. And you know, a lot of these streamers are putting a lot of hidden gems that were missed. Like the other night yeah. on stars, I watched a, a Jordan for journal, uh, a, Jordan yeah. for, a journal for Jordan. Let me get that <laughs> right. Uh, which we talked about heavily on this show. We promoted it cause it was set all to come out and everything. And then COVID hit and it just kind of disappeared. It was like very quietly, like nobody ever even remembered it. And, uh, I watched it the other night and I was in tears. Denzel Washington directed the shit out of that movie, and Michael B. Jordan has Michael B. I mean, kid, he's never bad, right? But it was a really touching story about this true story about this dad in the military who left this journal for his son. But And that's what I was expecting. I was expecting it to be like this narrated thing that the mom was reading to the son the whole time. But it's actually reversed you actually don't get much narration at all you see them and how they met and how they got together and how they had the son and you see him go off to war and you see like all these kind of things and she is writing an article because she's a reporter and she writes an article about the journal for her son kind of a thing and so that's the premise of it but yeah, it's a tearjerker for sure, and, and Denzel did a phenomenal job directing it, and Michael B. Jordan was just stellar. And the woman that plays the main role, uh, she was a newcomer. I, I hate that I can't remember her name, but she was a, a newcomer It's and introducing, and uh, she was amazing. I mean, if you can hold your own in a scene against Michael B. Jordan, you know you're a good actor, right? So she I just – but yeah, I agree with you, man. I think they're like these streamers, if you look – you will find some really good shit to watch. That that's just facts. If you if you do some digging, you're gonna find some stuff to watch. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Well, something that just broke on um, Variety. This is very interesting and has to deal with our top story today with Danny Masterson. Um, Ashton Kutcher and Melia Kunis wrote letters in support of Danny Masterson to the judge, apparently calling him a role model. Um, trying to, you know, come to his support. And basically, Kutcher's letter says, I do not believe it, he is a harm to society, an ongoing harm to society, and having a daughter raised without a present father would be a, a territorial or a terrible injustice in itself. Uh, thank you for taking the time to read this. I'm a little disappointed in that, to be honest. I get it. I get it that, you know, it would be hard for me that one of my best friends or you or somebody was accused of rape and went on trial, but they, they proved it. You know, I, I just feel like you shouldn't have came out and said something. like Well, that. and you know, Kutcher just... acknowledged it because he said he's not an ongoing threat to society, yeah. meaning yeah. he's acknowledging that he was a threat to society, right? So like even Kutcher is saying, yeah, I know he did this shit, but yeah. can you please have, and look, I'm all for rehabilitation. I'm all for second chances. I'm all for this, but he is still claiming his innocence. He is still right. trying to deny that he did anything wrong. 
I, I, I can't get behind that. This man should be rotting in prison for the rest of his life because he doesn't even acknowledge that he did anything wrong. Like, bro, when you are drugging women and and having sex with them without their consent, there's no way to spin that, that you didn't do anything wrong. And, Mm. and my argument to Ashton Kutcher would be, and please Ashton, come on, let's talk about this. Cause I really feel like a, a daughter being raised without the presence of her father is, is a terrible misjustice. I wholeheartedly would agree with that unless your father is a rapist. Unless your father is not the role model that should be guiding you on how a man should treat you as a woman. Is that the role model, the father figure that's going to be a terrible misjustice if he's not around the daughter? Like, I, I, I want my daughter to know how a man should be treating her and it's not fucking drugging her and then raping her that's not how so that would be my argument back to ashton it's like i get i get that that homes without their dads often lead to trouble and troubled children and they end up being troubled adults but in this case i think she's better off without his presence there right yeah go visit him in prison have your dad time but you do not need this man telling you how to be a woman and how to be an adult and and because it it just i'm sorry but maybe he has rehabbed maybe he's a, a stellar dad i do not know i don't know what's going on in that world maybe he's a stellar husband because that marriage i guess has been going on for a while now and she seems very much in love with him maybe all that's true but you're still a rapist who will not acknowledge that you did anything wrong. Like, he's another fucking Bill Cosby. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, exactly. you can't. You like, like. I don't. I don't know, man. I'm glad you. I'm glad you. You caught that. I'm glad you added it to the news. But I have. I'm yeah. with you. I'm kind of disappointed that they would come out with a statement like that and just support your friend. Be there. Go visit him in prison. Say, man, I wish things had been different. I wish we could have helped you earlier. I wish we could have seen the warning signs and stopped you from this type behavior, right? You're a friend. You're that close. You're that tight that you're writing letters to the judge on his behalf. Where were you when he needed you? Where were you to say, bro, this isn't okay. This isn't the type shit you should be doing. And then maybe he wouldn't be in prison and you wouldn't have to write letters in support. Right? That's all I'm saying. Somebody should have stopped it before it happened. Nobody gave a shit then. So I'm just saying. You know how many people just sweeped it under? I mean. Exactly. It's, It's wild. Ongoing. Now, well, kind of, not anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it, it just, yeah, wow. Um, anyway, guys, yeah. now we're going over to our <laughs> top five segment. And this week, it is top five character actors that should be lead actors. Um, it, this one was very fun because there is a lot of people who don't necessarily get the credit they rec- they uh, deserve um, when they play pivotal roles or they bring a certain presence either on set or on screen that it completely changes the dynamic and content that we watch every single day. Um, so this was this was a fun one. Yeah. Oh, without doubt. And and I mean, I, just I everybody on my list, I fucking love. 
I, I just right. think they're amazing and they're so fun to watch in literally everything. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm just like, uh, this was a really fun list. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, starting at my number five goes to Keith David. Everybody's like, Hmm, Keith David. Why does that name sound so familiar? Trust me. Once you see this guy's picture, you'll know exactly who the fuck I'm talking about. Um, he was in princess and the frog Armageddon, the thing they live. Um, I, I think I really enjoy all of his performances and he's got one of those voices too. I love that he does animation because what he does and like the, that gravelly kind of like voice that he has, it brings an extra dynamic to like the villainous characters that he plays in animation. Um, so, but I feel like what specifically he did in a game that I used to play saints row, he was like the, the mentor figure that oh, yeah. turned out to yeah. be the bad guy. Um, so that, that was definitely one of my all time favorite roles that he did and that he portrayed. But I feel like, he would definitely hold his own in his own film. If you like, if you got him and Tyler Perry in a room, I feel like they could create something absolutely magical. So Tyler, if you're listening, cast Keith David as somebody in a lead role <laughs> and this man will just blow it out of the park. I know he would. I know he would, but yes, Keith David at number five. Yes, I totally agree with you. And one of my favorite things, I'm so glad you brought up the animation aspect of it because a lot of people don't know they had a really kick ass, dark and gritty spawn animated cartoon. And he was the mm. voice of spawn. And it was so just like that. Yeah. Like you said, that dark, gritty, scary as fuck yeah. voice, like of what you would expect spawn to sound like. It was so right. good, man. It was so good. Um, my number five, everybody knows him and loves him. Benedict Wong, of course, Wong mm. from Dr. Strange and the Avengers and the Marvel universe and everything. But this guy has actually done like a ton of stuff and he kind of steals the show in like everything he's been in um like, like how many people know that he was in uh cloak versus tuna mill how many people know that he was in the martian with matt damon like like just so many of these roles that he did uh lady in the tramp and like aside from all the marvel stuff he's that guy again that when you see him you can't help but gravitate to him when he's in the scene right you're just waiting to see what he's going to do because he feels like he's that guy that's going to steal the show right he's going to do something that's going to make you remember him in the scene and i think anybody that can captivate your attention or draw you away from the main in the scene deserves to be a lead and benedict for sure especially like give this man a comedy he would freaking slay it because even in all this serious shit that he's been in He's hilarious as shit, even when he's trying to be serious. And I think sometimes that's the best comedy. So I swear to God, if somebody would give Benedict Wong his own comedic series, like his own sitcom, I think it would be huge. I th it would be, he would kill it. He would kill it. It would be amazing. Completely agree. Completely agree. He's a great, phenomenal actor that deserves more. Oh, more yeah. things need to come his way. Um, number four for me goes to Gary Cole. And I mean, what's this guy not been in? Okay. <laughs> I mean, Talladega Nights. He was in Suits. He was the vice president on West Wing. Oh, yeah. So many freaking things. This guy just, uh, him and the, um, that guy from that, um, 
that Milo show that we were just watching where they were like crooks. I always get those two mixed up. Yeah. They kind of look alike and they do the same thing. Um, but Gary Cole specifically, I think he is so versatile and can play literally anything you throw his way. Oh, for um, sure. I loved him in Pineapple Express when he was the bad guy drug dealer. Yes. Um, he was like in Psych uh, Forever Strong. Like I just so many things to reference when it comes to his catalog and his resume. Uh, So I just had to put that man on the list. So freaking good. I just, you know, he is one of those guys who, like I said, you could throw anything at him. It doesn't matter the genre, the setting, the time period. He is going to knock it out of the park and do so in brilliant fashion. Oh, without Um, doubt. and Gary Cole, man, number four. Yeah, and and yeah, he, he. I agree with you, and he's a great character actor, right? Yeah. Like 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 he's different in everything, and yet has his identity, right? Like, yeah. like you just immediately like, oh, that's Gary Cole. That's a perfect Gary Cole role right there, even though it's a character role, right? Um, okay, so my number four and my number three are both people that that I first initially caught on with Justified. Back in the day, they were both unjustified, and they're both fucking phenomenal. My number four, Margot Martindale. Dude, Mm. she has been in fucking everything. You know her. You'll know exactly who I'm talking about. If you saw Cocaine Bear, she's the park ranger, right? If Mm, you saw Justified, she's the drug dealer mama. If you saw The Americans, she was one of the Russian uh, spies. Um, uh, Justified, just... Her dynamic with Caitlin Deaver in Justified, I can't even begin to tell you how awesome, but she's another one of those people. It's just like everything that she's in, she just kills it. Whether she's playing like a serious badass Russian assassin or she's playing some horny, you know, person in Cocaine Bear, some horny park ranger, you know, just trying to get laid. She's fucking hysterical and yet also powerful in, in these like dramas and like – and I don't think she gets nearly the record. If you go back, she's like our buddy Spencer Garrett. You can pretty much find Margot in any fucking thing that you've watched. She's probably been in an episode of it or been in the movie. She's that woman, right? And she's – I will say this. She owns her shit, right? She's like, this is who I am. I'm not fucking changing my look. I'm not losing weight. I'm not going to be a nice person. I'm not going to be try this, that kind of a... She she picked a, 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 a genre that she plays and plays well, and she is killing it. And I think she would do amazing in either her own film or her own television show because mm-hmm. I think she's earned a chance at the fucking lead because she is just stellar. Like, I mean, she's like... Had Roseanne not been Roseanne, Margot Martindale would have been this generation's Roseanne. She's that kind of like the housewife mom that don't take no shit. And she's going to lay it down for you no matter what. That's Margot Martindale. That's how I see her, kind of her character. I think she would just kill in a sitcom like that, man. She would be just amazing. Oh, yeah, man. For freaking sure. Uh, My number three goes to Randall Park. Now, maybe some of you are saying, well, he's kind of a lead. Well, 
in recent years, he's kind of fallen back a little bit because he did have Fresh Off the Boat, which You're was right. very successful, you know, 116 episodes worth of pure comedy. Um, and, I mean, he has been the lead in a few things, like Always Be My Maybe with Ali Wong on Netflix. Um, but recently, you know, he's been taking that secondary role, either whether it be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, whether it be Young Rock, where he plays himself, a reporter, um, but he is such a phenomenal talent that I feel like doesn't necessarily get the recognition that he deserves because what he brings to each of his role is some sort of different comedy, complex dynamic that not a lot of people can do because he has this lightness and this um, sensibility about him that I feel like not a lot of people have, but then he can get into the dark. He can get into the gritty. Yeah. And he just seems like an overall genuine human being. And he definitely deserves more opportunities that come his way. Um, so that's why I just had to put him on my list, man. He's definitely one of uh, my favorite underrated rac- actors right now. So Randall Park at number three. I love that. And I totally yeah. agree with that. I think I think everything you just said is spot on about that. Um yeah, and underrated. That I, I like that because I feel like a lot of these – we had that category, right, underrated. But I feel like a lot of these character actors are underrated in their yeah. performances, which is why they're not getting these lead roles, right, which is just absurd to me. It's absolutely insane to me why it's not happening. Um, my next guy, just like that, just like that, uh, Walton Goggins. And it's like, mm. why does that name? Why does that name? But try, like you said, if you see his face, you would know exactly who I'm talking about. This guy has been on Big Bang Theory. He's been in Lincoln. He's been in Maze Runner. He's been, but for me, for me, and Ant Man and the Wasp. He's a bad guy in ba- Ant Man and the Wasp. But for me, it was justified. Boyd mm. Crowder. Boyd Crowder, the racist, redneck motherfucking drug dealer from Kentucky that gave the shit. He played that character so fucking good and was so fucking evil. He plays a great bad guy, right? But he's just amazing. That character, I was locked in. So now anytime I see anything that Walt is in, I want to watch it because I was, I became such a fan of his through Justified. So I was watching Justified uh, City Primeval, right? And it's not even about him. I mean, if you're a fan of Justified, you know that Boyd went away to prison. It was lock key done. You're over with. Well, guess what guys and gals? Spoiler alert. They somehow were able to fill it film a cameo with him last second it wasn't planned it wasn't even supposed to be part of the series but they filled a cameo with him boyd is out of prison y'all he fucking broke out of prison and fucking raylon got the the notification like raylon was gonna retire y'all spend time with his daughter finally and just like i'm done i've had it what boyd fucking out of prison oh shit i mean so and and the way he breaks out just that fucking scene alone that little tiny scene at the end screams give this man his own show it was so fucking good yeah walt is i think anything that you give him a lead in i mean he's a phenomenal actor so i'm sure he could pull off a comedy or or any kind of a drama or anything like that but this guy screams bad guy 
He is like straight up fucking evil. So if you're going to give him a lead, make him the lead in something like seriously badass. Make him a badass bad guy because he's 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 oh my god he would slay he's so fucking right. good he is so good <laughs> i gotta get you on justified man you should watch all of justified <laughs> and then watch justified city primeval because you would be hooked yeah. i'm telling you fuck it's it's oh my gosh yeah yeah and the people that came in mm. and out of those shows like caitlin deaver and like all these people Caitlin was balancing Last Man Standing with Justified mm. at the same time. Like, and Margot was doing Justified and the Americans at the yeah. same time. Go bounce about. It's just, I'm telling you, man, it's fucking awesome. It's just, <laughs> but Walton Goggins, man, give that man a show and make him a bad That's guy because so I'm scared of him. I'm scared if you don't yeah. give him a show, he's going to come at you. Just saying. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Now, this next one, I will probably have to argue with about a little bit um, because, I mean, she does definitely have some iconic, iconic leading lady roles, but she does also have some just. I feel like her secondary roles far outplay her leading lady roles, in my opinion. Yeah, no. When she, I first saw her on your list, I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, she but. just. She adds so much to her secondary roles, um, and I'm talking about Alice and Janney. Um, of so many freaking things, guys. Yes. Come on, the help, Juno, I, Tanya, West Wing. So many things. She is the definition of a character actor. She can literally blow anything out of the water. Um, I just, I don't know. I feel like her where she shines brightest is that secondary role. Uh, and of course mom as well i forgot about mom for sure um but she i don't know that the dynamic she is so good about lifting other people up and giving other people that space to be creative and to be experimentative with with their roles so i just feel like she is such a great character actor and that's why i had to put her on my list and that's what that was my thought process a little bit and yes no, yeah. she is one of the all-time best let's be honest about it but yeah i just you know yeah i feel like i would be remiss without mentioning her so alice and janie at number two yeah no freaking i get it i get i get the argument i get i get why you chose her i th i think because for so long like, like i mean let's be honest about it i think one of her probably her single greatest role ever like obviously you know on the west wing right as cj but Understand? She was not the star of that show. She mm -hmm. was. She wasn't even close to being the star of that show. You had like Rob Lowe and Martin Sheen and like all these people that were well. John Spencer that were so far well established in their careers before Alice and Janney was like you know, a name, right? So it's a great. It's a great observation. Like like you said, she was really good at settling in and like being that character actor and allowing other actors to shine, even though her performance was shining just as brightly like uh yeah great 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 fucking pick that that was a good pick um my number two amy garcia now amy mm -hmm. garcia has been in a ton of stuff you guys going like all the way back to like I can't, I can't even remember i'm looking at her list on imdb and she's in things that i don't even remember her being in like family guy and rush hour and and uh robocop and dexter and like all this kind of stuff i do remember her in dexter but where i first saw her and then i was like holy shit is that her on lucifer but the very first time i ever saw amy garcia was in an episode of supernatural do you remember the episode where they were trapped in the prison 
and the people yeah. were trying to break into the prison. She mm-hmm. was the sheriff's uh, deputy that was the virgin. Remember, she uh, and uh, they were yeah. talking about how she and she had the little cross yeah. and like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that was her. And how you kind of at the end they imply she ain't no virgin anymore, kind of a thing <laughs> or whatever. But that was the very first time I had ever seen Amy Garcia, and I just thought she slayed that particular role. She she played it so well, and she played off of Jensen really well because he was yeah. giving her shit for being a virgin, kept questioning whether she was really a virgin, and you know, kind of a thing. And she just played off as so well. And then, lo and behold, I'm that late guy jumping on Lucifer, right? And I had an, oh my gosh, what's everybody talking about? Let me check it out on Netflix. And there she is. Fucking, she comes in in like the second season, I think, third Mm. season. And she just, oh my God, she was like so fucking epic on Lucifer. Her character literally stole every single scene she's in, right? Stood toe-to-toe with my man and and was able to go, um, I think she would be brilliant, in her own series. She's doing a lot of voice acting now and everything. Um, she's a comic book writer. She created a comic mm. book and, and she's a writer and, and, and artist of, a, of comics. And so, I mean, she's all in, she's like a, like a sci-fi guys, like dream girl. I mean, she's right. just like total, like, you know, but, um, it, it, now she's doing Hallmark Christmas movies. Like I said, she's all in, bro. She's she's just everywhere. So um, I do think, though, that she has legitimately earned a spot. Like just give this woman a a, a show somewhere. Let her shine because I think she's just amazing. She's a great actress, and I think she would do really well as a lead in in a movie or uh, a TV show. I think she'd just be outstanding. Completely agree, man. Completely agree. Well, heading over to our number one, and we both have the same number one because I I feel like – he is the definition of a character actor um, and such a freaking badass. Like, he can do anything. And we're talking about the one and only J.K. Simmons. Yes. Oh, my God. I love J.K. Simmons. He's so freaking good. I mean, everything that he has been in um, from Spider-Man to Whiplash to everything in between. Like, he is such an amazing freaking actor yeah uh, national champions that came out with tony winners uh i just like my man is just killing it he goes from like super high high budget to super low indie film and i have so much respect for him for that but yeah i mean he is such an amazing guy oh my god the first place i ever remember seeing jk simmons is on law and order svu he played mm. one of the psychiatrists that would determine Damn. whether they were really kind of fucked up or not really kind of like like um yeah, he's part of the Law and Order Dick Wolf like universe, man. I mean, but for sure. I mean, this guy, come on. And I, I get it. A lot of people listening right now are probably going, he's a lead. That's because you think he's a lead. When you see him in the role, like you think he's the star of the thing and he's not, right? right. <laughs> like, I guess you could say he was a co lead in Whiplash. I guess you could yeah. make that argument, but he was really the secondary character in the short film. Right, mm-hmm. he was actually one of the people that was in the short film, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that that led to the film getting made, the feature length film getting made. But yeah, I mean, this guy, holy shit! Even as Commissioner <laughs> Gordon, and just like all the kind of stuff that this guy, yeah. he is. Yeah, he's an extremely gifted guy that how he hasn't gotten his own show or his own movie where he's the guy is beyond me because he's a phenomenal talent. Like I I just – yeah, somebody give JK 
a fucking series, man. Because like, please. I mean, just. And I'm trying to think. What do I want to see him in a comedy? Do I want to? I mean, if you see the Farmers Insurance commercial, he's fucking funny as shit. He's like, so funny. He'd probably be able to do a comedy with nothing. But I think like hardcore drama with this guy. Oh yeah. Like like give I me agree. some sort of a like if you're gonna do a news drama series or like you know something like that that he screams just if you're gonna reboot west wing this guy should be like you know what he should be the leo character he should totally be like he's that guy i'm just yeah i'm saying man jk simmons how can you not be a fan of jk simmons if you're not a fan of jk simmons what the fuck is wrong with you this guy yeah there's there's something wrong there's something wrong yeah um but anyway guys we want to know your top five actors character actors that should be leads or just actors you think should be leads in general be sure to uh, message us or dm us or add us on social media we love the fan interaction um now heading over to the box office recap like we said the equalizer three came in at number one with 34.6 million dollars last weekend yes barbie still hanging on strong at number two with 10.2 million dollars blue beetle uh came in at number three with 7.1 million dollars gran turismo came in at number four with 6.6 million dollars and number five is oppenheimer coming in with 5.8 million dollars can i just say now i haven't seen equalizer three yet but i'm i i have no doubt it's going to be really good because the first two were phenomenal and it's the same lead it's the same director it's the same writer it's going to be great so this is like the first time in a very long time where i've seen the top five and they're all fucking great films they're all great films like we've seen barbie and blue beetle i've seen gran turismo oppenheimer they're all i would see all of them again and so, like, that's the first time in a really long time that I could say that about the top five movies, that yeah. they were all deserving of being in the spot and that I would yeah. see them again. Half the time I go, yeah. yeah, it was okay, but I wouldn't pay for to see it again, right? I would see all of these again. So there you go. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Um, well, movies new that are coming out this week. The Nun 2, My Big Fat Great Wedding 3, um, that's pretty much it. It's going to be a slow week, so we might as well just all go and see movies you can still go see. Uh, Teenage Newton Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, um, uh, The Meg 2, The Trench, and eh, Emmy One. I mean, I heard it's rough. Um, Strays, Talk to Me, and the ones that I mentioned above Equalizer 3, Barbie, Blue Beetle, Gran Turismo, or Oppenheimer. Um, now we're going over to the IMTV pros top trending segments. Um, the top trending movie, which is very interesting. I have no idea what this is. Um, you are so not invited to my bar mitzvah. Oh, this is the the Adam Adam Sandler Sandler one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Where his family Uh, stars in it with him. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I I actually want to see this one, uh, cause it's, it looks pretty funny. Um, Top trending TV show, One Piece, like I mentioned earlier. Huge success for Netflix. And the top trending star is Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is freaking Ewan McGregor's wife in real life for and she stars in Ahsoka. Okay, yeah, go ahead. yeah, and no, because we always mention that like the top trending star is usually for the wrong reason, right? They're top trending because they passed away or because they got in trouble. I wouldn't be surprised if next week it's Danny, right? Masterson or whatever. Right, yeah. Sadly, it's not because of Mary's performance in Ahsoka. 
if you're anywhere on social media, this woman is trending as the top rending star because of her ass. Have you seen all the memes and all the tweets and all the like stuff all over social media because of how her ass looks in her costume in Ahsoka? People, she is a phenomenal actress. She is like (laughs) amazingly talented and is just like this super awesome person. Can we not have her trending because her ass looks good in some pants? Like, I mean, come on, man. That's so ridiculous. I would it buy it if it, if they were saying it's Mary because of Ahsoka and her performance in Ahsoka. I would buy that if the top TV show was Ahsoka. I would buy right. that if Rosario mm. Dawson was also on the list somewhere. But they're yeah. not. They're, it's because of that one episode where she's riding on the thing and you see – it's just fucking ridiculous. It's ridiculous. How man. you can People trend. It's like, come on, man. Are we? And we wonder why Danny's in jail for rape. Right, I'm just Literally. saying, right? Like, like this is the mentality that we have. We're gonna make her the top trending star because she's got a nice ass and pants. What yeah. the fuck just, is wrong with yeah. us? Like, uh, <sighs> so wild, man. So wild. <laughs> but anyway, guys, we gotta thank you so much for tuning in to episode two thirty three of Inside the Crazy yes. Farm. Thank you so much. Be sure to follow us on social media. The company is at Crazy Ant Media. The podcast is at ItCap Podcast. And the mental health podcast, Everything's Okay, is at Everything's OKP. Yes, follow us anywhere and everywhere on social media. And you can follow us both personally on social media. Myself at J Logan Austin and at Crazy Ant CEO. Yes, that's right. And you guys know you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. ItCalf Podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. If you're watching this video on YouTube, we appreciate you. Be sure to hit that like button below, subscribe to the channel, and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications coming out of Crazy Ant Media. And of course, be sure to visit our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. Inquire about podcast consulting uh, because we want to help other people find their voices when it becomes about creating their own podcast. It's very important. It's very important to kind of get the ropes, you know. We've been doing this for about six years, and really nobody helped us with this. So we have learned a lot. A lot of trial and error throughout our journey. So we want to save you some time and help you out a little bit. Um, the more podcasts, the merrier. We love it. We love it. <laughs> um, but man, oh man, I mean, it was a great show. It was jam-packed. That's probably the biggest show we've had since the strikes have begun. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I, it's the most news that's come out since the strikes have begun. So, I mean maybe hopefully that means we're trending in the right direction <laughs> you know we're getting some some movement some stuff still trying to go on i mean i i don't yeah. know but i i i just i love talking about the industry i love talking about content i love talking about even if we're poking fun at it at least it's there it's content it's available and that's why these strikes are just They're so frustrating. And while we support everybody, both unions that are striking and we're in total solidarity of what they're fighting for, it's still frustrating because we're missing out on being able to do what we love. And and fans are missing out being able to see what they love. And and it's it's just – it's frustrating. (laughs) 
exciting. <laughs> so it really is. Hopefully, by us having a show where we can pack it with that much news and talk about new and exciting things that are coming in the light of the strike and stuff. Hopefully, that's helping a lot of people kind of get through it, deal with it. You know, hey, check this out, check that out. We got you covered. We can tell you to where to go find something good or something. You know, to get you through. Um, if we can at least do that with the podcast, then it's a win, right? Completely agree, man. Completely agree. And another win because this person and The Rock are helping out with all the Maui fires and donating so much freaking money. It's another reason why we love her because she's amazing. The one, the only, Oprah! Oprah!